Hi everybody, you're listening to the Rope Podcast with Fox and Maya. Thanks for supporting the show. This is a show with adult content, so if you're not of legal age where you live, then turn off now. This podcast is about rope bondage. Rope bondage is edge play with inherent risk, and we strongly recommend you get proper training and listen to episode zero before attempting it. Find it at the top of our FetLife page, Rope Podcast. Fox is a rigger, and Maya, who's I, is a bottom, and we're rope partners who've been practicing together for around four years. We love sharing our enthusiasm for rope from you, with you from our lovely home in Thailand. Today we're continuing our interview of Zero G and Sam J from New York City, who are part of the NYC Street Shibari team with photographer Dirty Archangel. If you haven't listened to the previous episode, which was the first part of this interview, you should probably start there to get some context on what they're talking about. Just pause this episode and go listen to that first. Don't worry, we'll wait for you. All right, so let's hear the rest of Zero G and Sam J's rope adventures. So if we talk for a minute about your team dynamic, uh, the three of you, including Dirty Archangel, and the process behind creating one of those beautiful photos, maybe, maybe using that example of the bridge in Central Park, can you walk us through the whole process from who has the original ID, how you guys discuss it together, what the day of looks like, and so on? That's a great question. Uh, I think that these things are really hard to capture in a photograph. And so a lot of times we end up with some wild assumptions about what is going on. Mm-hmm. And man, those are those are so far off. In fact, they're so far off that uh, it's, it's quite fascinating. Uh, yeah. So everything in this project always starts with DA. Yep. So, you know, originally his idea, his vision, he's been shooting the city for a decade you know, and uh, he knows all these places that, you know, I've been in New York for maybe a year and a half, Gigi, a little bit longer, uh, but not but not with the same eye that that uh, D.A. has. So yeah. it's just like uh, we defer to D.A. immediately on locations. Yeah. And so uh, the, the bridge was definitely it was D.A.'s idea. He had already shot that bridge without rope in the foreground. And he had these stunning shots that really captured the depth and breadth and the height. And it just seemed decadent and uh, palatial through his lens. And so I think that we showed up there um, because he chose the location and it was perfect. We showed up there before dawn. We figured out sort of what works for us for the locations that we're at. And that's also um, uh, helped by DA's expertise and experience for so long doing this. He knows when the low traffic times are. and then uh, really, really for Gigi and I, uh, we maintain a DS relationship at home. But when we go out, our DS is really inversely related to the level of risk that we take on. Mm-hmm. And the more risk we take on, the more equality uh, we have in our collaboration because we have to share that risk. We have to own that risk together. It's just not possible for uh either one of us to be responsible for the outcome. And so by the time we go out for the street or any of the other things we do, uh, it really has to be that we are absolutely equal partners. And it's the case that I have so much trust in Gigi's capability about knowing what she can do with her body. And also as a self-suspender, Gigi could be rope topping all the time. And sometimes we co-top together. Uh, she's fully capable. It's just, you know, less of an interest. 
And so like, uh, I definitely, uh, defer to her as an equal partner when we go out and do these things. And basically what we do is we go on site, we get up, uh, like three o'clock in the morning, something like this. And then we get out there by four or five and it, you know, in the winter, it's super cold and all that other stuff. And, uh, mm-hmm. and then we, and then we immediately start looking up and we start looking at what can we climb? And people have all these ideas about us bringing in boats and cranes and. <laughs> oh no! Yeah, it's it's pretty wild. People have uh, at the same time tons of imagination and very little imagination. But really, we just show up and we're like kids in a candy store, and we show up and like this is our playground for the day. What wonderful imaginative uh, castles can we build out of this really normal environment? And that's both of our just very natural, playful interactive approach to this. And we found that that's really, that's what works really well is if we don't have anything set in stone beforehand and it's not about winging it uh, necessarily, but it is very much about having a flexible style of interaction with the scenery that we have. Right. So it's definitely not about winging it, even though we don't know what we're going to do till we get there. And the reason why is when we go out, we face a number of adverse conditions. I'll list like four of them, like uh, weather, uh, you know, the winter cold and rain puts severe time constraints for how long Gigi can be exposed to those elements. And, and she's an absolute yeah. champ, though. Oh, thank you. It's really just that I have a very unique uh, background of experience. Like Sam has his background with the radio towers. I have a background as an all seasons open water swimmer. And so that was in the Pacific Northwest. And now it's um, in like the Long Island Sound and the Atlantic Ocean. So like Pacific Atlantic, it's really just I uh, I, I can't can't stand being cooped up and so I just need to I need to get into the water I need to I need to get out there and so before I was doing rope I was you know in mid-December and there's snow on the ground and at 2 a.m. I just sort of get that hankering it's like ah I need to go for a swim drive 10 minutes to the beach and I tramp through the snow you see my little footprints and sort of ah! I have to go wild and out so, okay, so cold uh, I, is a friend of yours. <laughs> cold is definitely a friend of mine. It's not that I'm not affected by it, although I think that I'm pretty lowly affected by it. It's that it is something that is thrilling and fun. And so it's something that I really learned how to manage my body with. Haha, <laughs> weather play. Yes. Uh, yeah. So despite despite all of these aspects of Gigi, it is definitely the case that uh, we see her pain and we see her struggle and there's definitely limits in terms of time uh in terms of how long we can leave her exposed uh it's both both, both da and sam j are super incredible at um helping me with managing those aspects yeah but we're fully rugged up and we we definitely notice the difference it's hilarious yeah but like da has definitely like left his giant like trunks and wagon of equipment um unattended so that he could run over to me and fling a coat at me so that I don't have to be cold for a moment longer than I have to be. It's all um, very wonderfully caretaking. Right. And second, so we're also working with like urban structures and altitudes that pose unique challenges, you know, uh, rusty corners mm-hmm. on our rope and, uh, you know, trying to tie things at altitude. Right. And then uh, we also need to get Gigi in position and down from those positions. Yeah. So the bridge that you're talking about, mm-hmm. that was actually, that, that, that's one where if you asked DA about like most challenging shoots, um, he has said in an interview before, like, oh yeah, you know, it's got to be that one because of the danger. He has a very different idea 
about danger than maybe samurai do, but he has this huge amount of trust in in our ability to handle the risks that we take on. But for right. us, right? So, so the comments we got on that is, it's always, what about the cops? And the cops, if we're doing something really dangerous, the cops are not even a consideration because if we get into trouble, those cops will help us out. Yeah. yeah. It's like, uh, you know, we want the cops to show up if we get into a jam, right? Our priorities are not out of line there. It's about, uh, you know, if we were really in a case where like we needed help, it would be like, hey, like guys come over, give an extra boost. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah, you'll find us, but like help us out first. Right. And the second thing people ask is like, well, how'd you get her up and get her down? And, uh, you know, that railing's so smooth and it's so wide. It was great. And, uh, you know, the lowest, simplest, you know, option, the simplest option is always the best to us. The yeah. lowest tech, you know, no cranes, no, no other stuff. We just lowered her down and then you people helicopter? based on a oh yeah absolutely so the helicopter pad was right underneath the bridge <laughs> yeah it was just out of the frame <laughs> as always we always have a helicopter right out of and frame. then then people ask us you know like well what if you can't get her you know up oh and for us like uh people people don't really think about things the same way that we do because that's the most exciting part we showed up there and we were just like oh man like if you get a rope jam and you can't get me back up like i know that i can get out of that tk i'm a strong swimmer this would be the perfect opportunity you could just cut me down and i could just go plunge in the water and i could just sort of uh wag my way onto shore and it would be so much fun yeah and so people think as soon as Gigi hits the water in a tk gonna drown. that she's gonna drown immediately and or they think you know i'm gonna jump in immediately after her no oh, i'm not that would, that would be so <laughs> to me robbing me of a great experience i want them to watch me struggle for a little bit and if it seems like i can't do it on my own then i want them to make a judgment call right you know i'm gonna let her struggle a good 20 to 30 seconds see how she go and <laughs> uh you know we're gonna have a great story if it goes that way but like of all the all the risks that we take we're really looking at risks that might be uh, life-threatening or that might be permanently injurious. So uh, Gigi really depends on her hands yeah. and uh, that's her career. So as soon as she say like nerve damage, if I can't pull her up in 30 seconds, I'm definitely going to drop her into the drink. <laughs> and then the tension on the TK is going to loosen. She's going to be able to wriggle out of it. Most people can wriggle out of a TK in two to five minutes. Uh, you know, she's going to have Especially large the way wrist we tie them. Like we, we, we intentionally tie these things to not, this is not Western bondage. That's about being an, an escape artist foiler. Like um, this is Japanese Western uh, bondage that we are having these ideas and these feelings of being bound. I, I don't know about you guys, but like a TK, it's just this immediate feeling of the power exchange and, and, um, it's, it's, it's wonderful and beautiful because of that. But it's really the idea that we're going for here. We're not right. trying As, to tighten things right around the wrists. Right. As an instructor uh, once told me, Scott, from the Melbourne Rope Dojo, is like, sure, she can get out of it. But why would she want to? <laughs> uh, well, if she's in the drink, of course she wants to, right? Yeah. Uh, so, so in that case, I would forego the polite two-minute rule, and I would actually get out of it in the actual amount of time it takes to get out of it. Because to preserve, to, to preserve your rope top's ego, you make sure that it takes yeah. you at least two minutes to wriggle out of whatever you're in, no matter how long it would actually take you. As right. opposed you know, to you really stop holding it spend... together and it falls around your ankles. 
Right. It, it, it's really <laughs> depressing when you spent 10 minutes to tie something and then they just shrug it off in like yeah. 10, 10 seconds, right? Yeah. So uh, those are the first two things. The third thing that needs to happen is Gigi needs to be able to sustain this position for five to 15 minutes while we yeah. get the shot. That's how, that's how we chose that post, and it ended up being a favorite instead of a challenge because we came there, and we had made this mistake. It was still early days, and we had made this mistake of going into this with a very concrete idea of the pose that we wanted, and it was this uh, single-footed swan dive inversion with, like, like just sort of almost kissing the water, and we got there, and it was just like, man, like, this is just, like, this is not going to be fun, and... uh Sam J looks at me and is just like, uh, you know what? Let's do one of our favorite songs. And a single TK hang for us is a favorite song. And it is something that will be super easy to sustain. Hmm. Right. It's something that we, everything that you see are things that we do at home on the regular that we've had great success with. And so we'll talk a little bit about uh, in a moment, just sort of the principles that we go by to get there. But these are sort of the adverse conditions. So, and the fourth one is Gigi's got to be in uh, you know, in a condition where she can uh, manage crowds and police officers while suspended out in poor weather in a difficult position. And so uh, those are the things that we have to really uh, sort of manage. Absolutely. Um, and there is a special case in the bridge where because we were um, because of the unique condition of what that bridge is set up like and the way that it is wooded on both sides, um, we couldn't have known this, but I was completely and totally out of view of anybody who was on the bridge or approaching it from either side. And so uh, I was completely and totally invisible to the public in that case. I didn't end up needing to have any interaction with anybody. And we ended up getting a shot that we actually really love that sort of um, that, that it takes a really wonderful view of that mutual uh, unknowing between me and, and the public. Mm, it's gorgeous. Thank you. It was fun. Right. So based on those adverse conditions, what we don't want to do is we don't want to do a really complicated tie or a difficult tie. And so of course, uh, these things are really, really uh, person dependent. And so this is not a case where we're saying that you need to be able to sustain the things that are good for me because I can't sustain the things that are good for you. Uh, I, I, I don't know, of course, what uh, Maya and Fox, what what is good for you guys, but it's different for everybody. And it's so the stuff that we do, chest hang, <laughs> oh, but, but 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 my lower spine wouldn't be able to handle a hip harness. And so yeah, it's the idea of working with, for sure. yeah, it's the idea of working with the body and the rope that are going to be good for you. Super. And so that's what we're doing. It's definitely not about um, issuing some sort of mandate or standard. It's about the things that we're doing are the things that we know will work well for us and that we want everybody to do what works for them, not to try to force something that is going to be outside of, of their body's happy place. Right. So also for Gigi, uh, her shins are really sensitive from a lot of torture shin ties. And so uh, I never did a lot of futamomos because I, I don't like them aesthetically, but we also just don't do that. So we, we play to our strengths, right? Mm. And so we have a number of like principles that, that we go out there to create these photographs and uh, we'll kind of share them with you. I think the first one is we always defer to the most, most paranoid. So that is that equality concept. Yeah. Um, Sam got that, I think, from Insects, right? Yeah, from PD. That was the rule. Uh, so Insects was the first sort of kink website that did really edgy stuff 
but they had a tremendous safety record. And uh, this hey, was really? their like we, we, we do, too. Uh, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> but like we adopted that rule. Uh, the other the other rule that we adopt, I would say about 95 percent of the time is that we're always at least one fuck up away from disaster. Mm-hmm. There are a couple of notable exceptions, but um, if, if you can count them, you could probably count them on one hand. And those situations are always going to be private and very special to us and very mutually appreciated. <laughs> All right. And then, uh, and then what we've already said, the more complex the situation, the simpler the tie. And that's a principle that we use even when you go to a club. It's dark. It's crowded. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe that's a time to do something that you know really well and really simplify the tie. You know, so anytime we go to like a new place or a new situation where we can't really, you know, where we're really aware of the differences, right? And then, and the last one is is probably our favorite bit of wank material. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so people um, sometimes make some really hilarious comments, and um, it's uh, about creative thinking about risks. We we always have an idea of danger and uh, mitigating the the ones that aren't um, hot and intentional to us because. Danger is is so fucking hot to us. We we spend a lot of time thinking about all of these things that could happen as as like wank bank material, and we end up uh, creating the things that we can. It's just uh, it's a colossal waste of danger to be unaware of the hot risks you're taking. <laughs> yeah, I definitely get the feeling of what you meant earlier when you said you guys both have the same thrills. Like yes. it really comes through. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> oh, <thank you. laughs> uh, but we we do pick our spots like this is not the only thing we do and it's not like uh we got to do it all the time we yeah. certainly pick our spots simple mm. slow floor ties are you know probably a daily favorite for us hey guys this is fox coming in for a short break we really love making this podcast and sharing it with you but your support can really help us pay for the hosting the equipment and other critical costs So if you like this podcast and you want to support us, you can do so at ropepodcast.com. You'll find ways to buy rope tutorials and gear so we get a small commission from your purchase at no extra cost to you. In addition, you could also donate to us directly on our Patreon, either as a one-off amount or monthly support that can be as little as the price of a cup of coffee. If you can't afford to do that, that's okay. Just enjoy the podcast and maybe tell a kinky friend or two about it. Now back to today's episode. Have you had any concerns with people who might have tried to copy the things you do or take inspiration from it, but don't have the same skills, don't have the same methodology? Like, what are your thoughts about that? Mm-hmm. So um, I, I loved something that um, that that you shared about um, your episode with with EM and um, listening to that. It's it's super amazing to be thinking of. The, the level of experience and, and awesomeness that he's dealing with. And we are not really necessarily having anybody else's ideas about other people copying us. We would um, love for people to copy uh, us in, in ways that are good for them and, and like artists. Um, so I, I have this idea of copy like an artist that comes from my career in the arts. And um, steal like an artist is a concept that, we are really concept with uh, that, that we are really uh, conceptually familiar with and really speaks to us. It's this idea that I want somebody to 
take inspiration from something and for that to spark their own ideas. And I want it to be even more awesome. And I want it to be their own. And I want it to be something that speaks to them in the same way that the thing that we did spoke to us. And so it's um, like, yeah, don't try this at home unless you have a giant bridge over a river to, in your home. But, uh, I'll link to Steel Like an Artist by Austin Cleon in the show notes for people in case they haven't come across it. Thank you. Yes, there's this incredible TED Talk that is, that is entitled such. Yeah, and one of the things that Gigi likes to say that I, I've really taken on board is she says we're not lifeguards and we're not gatekeepers. And I really hate to be somebody's gatekeeper, and Gigi gets more of people uh, trying to treat her like a lifeguard. Yep, uh, I definitely get a lot of – I don't I, – I think – I really think that it's about the gender and the power dynamics Absolutely. that are inferred. So do you get this too, where people are, are coming and like uh, coming to you and just really being like you are the bottom or you are the woman, which means uh, like let's talk about the dangers and your responsibilities because there's you need to very, be dealing with this. There's a very different way I think people comment on the photos – on my profile versus Fox's profile in terms of the same photos or photos on the same scene. Um, Absolutely. And so, watching your comments so, on that bridge photo is fascinating. Like it's super Right. So there's, there's a clear delinkage. Oh, uh, wait, what, what's of, one of them that you've seen? Just, just the way that people um, honestly patronize you <laughs> and take away your agency from, from an external perspective and say, oh, what are you doing to that poor girl? Like that, that uh, yeah. is the feeling that comes across when it's like, dude, she's 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 part of the team. Yeah, like she's she's making right. her so, own choices so that's and exactly, she has agency. Yeah, that's I exactly do. what goes on in Gigi's inbox. Yeah, but these exactly. same people are in my inbox. How can I do the dangerous thing? Yeah, like, uh, Want to tie <laughs> me up oh, and have the same hot time with me? And um, like, oh man. Like, <laughs> One of the things that I think is quite interesting is that you show your face, uh, Gigi, in the pictures. And that's a different kind of risk and an, another interesting artistic choice. Not everybody does that. So what are the risks of that for you guys and what have been the positive or negative consequences? Mm. Um, if, if I can take the lead on that one. Um, I spent over a year in rope before showing my face in any photos. I think that a lot of people have this journey of starting in um, in the kink world and understanding that they are potentially going to be making decisions that will affect them for the rest of their lives. Again, after my year of academic research, I was very aware of such. And um, so I was very much not wanting to make any decisions for my future self with less than a year of experience. And so after a little bit more than a year in rope, I revisited this conversation with myself. And in that year, I could only do this because in that year, I never received pressure from Sam J or any of my partners to change that. Nobody ever made me feel like I was less worthy of their attention and a connection with them or to be in um, the photos that we that we shared as a part of that because they were not showing my face in photos. And I think that if that had been the case, that it would have taken me a lot longer because I would have need, needed to um, sort of regain my agency, but nobody ever took it from me. And um, Sam J is really incredible about, um, he's had a wide range of people who have different needs for privacy and for anonymity. And um, he's just really embraced blindfolds as like, oh, this is, this is, this is hot. Um, like no worries at all. That's going to be great. And 
So just never receiving pressure or pushback from that was essential to, to, to my journey. Yeah, I think it's uh, funny that I, I've definitely uh, adopted blindfolds. There's a very good sort of DS feel to them of taking away somebody's sight. But you'll also uh, notice that uh, I don't use a lot of gags. So, you know, we all have these different things of what we feel danger is, right? For me, gagging Gigi feels like danger because mm. I'm cutting off this highly sophisticated communication and awareness device. And uh, it's just not something that I actually want to do. Also, uh, you know, I want to play with her mouth or whatever. So, but like, <laughs> uh, you know, it's, it, it's this thing that like, yeah, we've done it once in a year and a half. And that's the thing that I'm actually more scared about, you know, than any of these other things that we're doing. Yeah. So risk is definitely relative and social risk is, I think what you're getting at with showing face and pictures. And so I chose to take that risk after really weighing the positives and negatives. And for me, it's never about creating content or about getting somewhere. Um, like I, this is, this is how I spend my free time with the people who I really care about. And they're going to spend that time with me whether or not I have my face in the photos that they take, we're doing that for fun. And so for me, it's really about authenticity and the freedom to express without hiding um, was what I was starting to feel. And so I didn't like feeling this limitation and I understood the, the risks. And at this point, thank goodness, because New York City has all of these um, PhD rope people running around and a lot of people in higher education and in similar fields, I was able to have really great conversations with them about the risks that they took on versus um, the privacy that they maintained because of, of their risk profile and the risks that they were taking with their jobs. And, you know, if you teach in higher education, it is a much greater risk for the institution to let on that they know anything that they might find out about your private life and especially not to um, to try to punish you for what you're doing in your private life because the lawsuits that they would encounter and the negative PR would be out of this world. And so, and also we wouldn't want to work for that institution then because they're lame. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so it's I think really there's something a, about New York there as well because I'm not sure that yes. would be the same in, in other places. That's a really good point. It's definitely a luxury of the New York City culture. And so thankfully, that's the people who I'm around. And so it's very relevant. And so where I am and where my career is and the possibilities that I'm interested in keeping and maintaining, it was a trade-off that I decided was well worth it. And I think the only gain that um, we personally get artistically is that I think that facial expressions are, are much more emotionally rich in expressing in a photograph. And so there's that. And then there's also, uh, I think, the public acceptance to be different is something that helps these risks be a little bit less so in New York City, I think. Mm -hmm. And that's um, the gains of giants of, of, of these, these incredible achievements and struggles of the LGBT community in the last century. And I know that Sam knows a lot about that if you want to hear a little bit more. This goes back to like I've been to a lot of uh, pride parades. Right. And uh, but in 2019 was my first uh, New York City pride parade. And it was the 50th anniversary of the Stonewall riots. 
And uh, there were so many different seminars on that experience and all of the struggles and all of the gains during that time. And some of them just really landed and really moved me. Uh, it was just seeing the celebration of Pride 50 years later and how everybody had come on board and that 50 years prior, it was actually a revolt. And uh, some of the slogans of the era was, it's okay if you're straight as long as you don't act straight okay in public. Gay. No, no. Uh, the slogan oh, was right, – right. Yes, 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 of course. Uh, it was, it was a tongue-in-cheek turn on this phrase that had been used by straight people uh, about gay. And I was thinking about that in terms of – being kinky and how many times we're told it's okay to be kinky as long as you don't act kinky. And then the other one was just really amazing. And this has nothing to do with us. It was, it was this uh, phrase that, Hey, look, we are going to get our asses kicked and we are going to win. And they won in spades Mm -hmm. and we are such beneficiaries of all of their sacrifices. And so to think that I'm going to cower in my apartment and hide out and, uh, you know, uh, pretend like I don't do these things as if I'm ashamed. It, it feels, it feels a little cowardly. And, uh, so these things just move me and I, I see the similarities and, uh, you know, and you're right. New York is uniquely amenable for this. It's not clear that I would be doing this in Boston or somewhere else. I just wouldn't have the courage to do it. And, but because it is, it doesn't mean that it's nothing that we that we do it here. Exercising that freedom and that expression is how we maintain those freedoms and how we expand upon them. And we try to do so uh, in a way that is responsible and respectful and um, certainly not trying to speak for the gay community as uh, like a, a straight man or as a, a queer white cis woman. Um, it's, it's very much just an appreciation and a study of Uh, That we're inspired by what they've done. And if you want to read a great book on the history of queer liberation in the United States, there's an Instagram called LGBT underscore history. And from that Instagram account of that research, they've collected a 100 years of that movement in a book called We Are Everywhere. And uh, it is amazing and thrilling and so worth having and reading. Yeah. Uh, and so the way that that's, I guess, a little bit relevant to what we're up to is we're uh, on an attempt to normalize rope as a creative medium uh, for acceptance in the art world and society. And if we make any steps in that direction, I think that would be super great. All right. Uh, on the topic of rope photography, uh, Sam and Gigi, if you were to each give one piece of advice to our listeners to make their rope photos nicer or more interesting, what would it be? Bring Dirty Archangel with you. <laughs> right. Sounds like a good one. <laughs> right, you know, uh, like, oh, he's so good. Uh, let us know if he know, comes to is... Thailand. <laughs> Yeah. You know, it is it is just a relief to have somebody else handle the camera. When we're at home alone, of course, I'm going to take the shittiest photos we possibly can, and we don't care. I have Be- a super soft spot for our Bigfoot photos. <laughs> yeah, so uh, because it's private, it's just us. We we don't want someone there. But when when we want a good photograph, it is so great to have somebody there that knows what they're doing and can handle that part so that we can focus on our own parts. Uh, but at the same time, I think that for our own personal aesthetic, 
what we value is authenticity. Mm-hmm. And so there is a very real fact that when we take photos at home, it is really this beautiful woman that has come to the shitty, dingy apartment in Jersey City, which most people in New York will never go to Jersey City. It's true. And there is this sign of the pet boys outside. And that's really what's happening is that she's willing to come here and spend this time with me because our connection and rope is worth doing so. That's love. Right. And mm-hmm. so that contrast, this beautiful person, this dingy apartment, and that's actually what we're doing. So I don't like to use backdrops. It seems really strange to see, you know, uh, uh, a body in space. Uh, it doesn't feel real or, you know, a heavily dressed up, you know, rope studio. It just, it seems a little artificial. I mean, maybe beautiful, but at the same time, it doesn't feel authentic. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I think the authenticity is really striking. And uh, I think the authenticity and then um, creative uh, seizing of possibilities, I think, is also striking. And so that's something that I think that we share an enthusiasm for this um, th- this shared yes and. And I would suggest that people incorporate that as much as feels good in their relationship. It's this idea that you're, you're tied up and or you're tying up and uh, maybe you're going to take a photo, maybe not. But, you know, like. If you're if you're in in rope, um, I would suggest maybe explore the degrees of freedom that are still granted to you, and maybe uh, that's going to be making a physical suggestion of something to either tie up or exploit or uh, it, it it helps introduce novelty and so sort of working within the introduced confines of of the rope, it's sort of like creative limitation in that it offers new possibilities by eliminating most of them. Yeah, you know, what's really funny is I think people miss out a lot of opportunities for potentially a, a striking a photo when, like, let's let's take the knockoff torsion. I'll call it knockoff because if you use the uh, correct Japanese name, then uh, <laughs> that's a marketing name. People come down on you. But let's call it the knockoff torsion, which was the most overseen and overused photo of, uh, you know, 2018, 2019, and let's say. And my goodness, is it a beautiful, beautiful pose? Um Absolutely. But then when you see people actually uh, get into that position, uh, they go up into it and then they come straight down. I've definitely seen that. I've definitely been to places where I see somebody do this like photo recreation uh, take on the knockoff, uh, as we're going to call it in Sam J's words, torsion, where they are getting this one pose and it's this total removal from the context and I find that intriguing and it just completely and totally removes it from its intended purpose. Right. Right. So So you imagine this is the signature suspension transition sequence and it is a complete story that you can riff and go different ways uh, through this story. And there's so many different uh, poses or possibilities there, but you just stop with this, you know, this one image and you kind of like ripped it. It's like you ripped a page out of the story. And it's like, definitely not stealing like an artist. And and you're also missing a lot of sort of the evolution of, you know, what that photograph should look like by the time you get there. Uh, so it's that that lack of the richness of context being imbued into that photograph before you actually take the shot. It is the, you know, 15 minutes to tie it. It is the amount of time that you spent in that partial or, you know, whatever you're doing and the, the number of steps before you got to that photograph. 
and it's maybe uh you know the the lack of of air and the suds coming out of your rope bottoms nostrils <laughs> if you are like Sam J and uh, he has this incredible photo with a uh, an incredible rope person kink knit who he decided to dunk their head and have a wonderful drowning session in like a dirty soap bucket and um that that was the the dip when you bring the when you bring the tk down uh yeah that didn't actually work out the suds uh, had all uh, evaporated uh by uh by the time we got there uh because uh yeah we don't use spotters we don't use extra help we just do our things and uh and so she's she's drowning they are drowning in soapy water, but it just looks like water, and their their eyes are burning, and nobody knows it. Nobody. And that, <laughs> that is an exhibitionist masochist's worst nightmare. It's unobserved suffering. Yeah. <laughs> um, and we understand you have an exciting collaboration coming up uh, with the Fertilitica magazine. So tell us a bit about that, and and who else you're connected with um, in the broader community right now. Oh, awesome. And so uh, we mentioned This Will Inspire, who provided lingerie for the uh, for the NYC Shibari series, which is definitely ongoing right now. It's, of course, on pause. I guess uh, people don't necessarily assume, but it is absolutely on pause given the current we, situation. We decided early that we were not we, – we got a lot of messages that, hey, now's your time to go tie out in Times Square because it's yeah. uh, mostly abandoned. Uh, we weren't going to exploit the, 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 the losses of people. And yeah. it's also the case that that's actually not – our artistic direction. We want to be able to go out to Times Square someday and have people not be fussed and just be like, oh yeah, we know those guys. They do that uh, that weird uh, rope thing and uh, they're all right. So we want to get that level of acceptance. So it's not necessarily about, uh, you know, we need great shots so that we can get KMP or whatever, whatever else is going on. So, but what we like about this will inspire when we approach them is we like that they were local, that we could maybe be friends with these people. Yeah. The other thing was that, uh, we just felt like there was a lot of body positivity and diversity in their social media. And that's something that really strongly align with. And that's kind of the message we want to have. Absolutely. And so um, I, you might notice that I am a small, thin, white, young woman in bondage. And man, is that not a, uh, an increase of diversity and uh, <laughs> like, uh, man, that is exactly who you expected to see and not who you were hoping to see. But it's about making space for for other people and making space for different bodies that do super incredible different things. And so um, being aligned with people who have the same ideas of what is worthy of being featured is important to us. Yeah. And then uh, and then uh, we're so grateful to uh, Jade Rope. Uh, Jade Rope sent us uh, two spools of. Uh, jute, one's a Tasso, one's an Osaka. We only have been able to go out once with that stuff, uh, but it's awesome, and we're so happy to have it and so happy, really, really happy to have their positive support that they see sort of what we're trying to achieve, that they're totally on board with this, you know, broader acceptance and broader, you know, acceptance of rope as an art form and as a something that, that should be accepted in society and normalized. 
And so it's just really nice to have their uh, their confidence and support. Yeah, and they're they're an incredible company and and wonderful people with with everything that they do. And right now their their rope competition is going on. That's been going on for a decade. This is the decade. And they just spark so much inspiration to to all of us every year. Here, here's the here's the amazing thing is that rope competition is not about one style of rope. It is not about like what I always liked about it was that like all rope is accepted. So yeah. it's not like you have to use jade rope to uh, be in the competition or not like you, you have, have to, to be doing juice. shibari. And um, yeah, it, it's this acceptance and inclusion that, that really speaks to us. Yeah, so that's awesome. And then, and then, so uh, Federatica, uh, Dirty Archangel, and uh, we 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 both have uh, been previously featured in in Federatica issues, but uh, Dirty Archangel and the editor were talking with and and came up with the idea of doing a special issue that's going to be coming up that is just going to be featuring the New York City Street Shibari project that we're doing, which uh, I didn't know that that could ever possibly be a thing. And that's so cool. And I'm mostly just super excited to see our photos in print. Yeah. It's so hard to get anything in print these days. Right. Yeah. So it's like, uh, yeah, we'll be buying an issue so that we can <laughs> get it in print. <laughs> awesome. Super. Well, we'll put all of the links to those um, and all the other places that people can find you onto the um, podcast show notes. Thank you for having us. Uh, and, and so maybe one last thing to say, like, as an art project, our definition of art, and everybody's got a different definition, it's not about these pretty images. It is about conversation. It is about a clash of competing values and how we sort those things out. And I know that a lot of people have a lot of questions about like these kinds of things. We're actually really open for those conversations as yeah. a way for us to grow as a way for us to empathize and understand. And um, as a way to share discourse and to further develop ideas as a community. Like uh, I think that conversation and openness and discourse is something that, that everybody should, should really welcome when they have the spoons to. Yeah, so we're, we're really open for that. We realize we're doing something that's sort of outside of the kink norm, very much in the norm of New York society and uh, the art world, but outside the kink norm. And so if people have concerns or want to talk about it, we got all the time in the world because that's actually what this project's about. Yeah, and again, we're both academic nerds, and so we've actually done a lot of research that this person probably hasn't done, and so we'd love to share our sources with them. <laughs> <laughs> Look at our source page! <laughs> Maybe we should have a source page. Uh, thank you guys so much for having us. Yes. Oh, we've had such a wonderful time. Brilliant. We did too. And we very much look forward to discovering what you will create next. Thank you so much. Thank you. That's all from us today at The Rogue Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcast from and come friend us on our Pet Life page, Rogue Podcast. You can also find us easily at ropepodcast.com. We love questions from our listeners, so drop us a message on FET and we'll try to answer you in an upcoming episode. Thanks for listening. And have fun tying.